You're listening to the Tamar Yona Show here at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. And we are live, if you're listening on Sunday between 4 to 5 p.m. Holy Time right here in the land of Israel, or if it's between 10, uh, sorry, 9 to 10 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time, that means that we are live. If you're listening to the show at any other time, it means that you are listening to a replay of the show, and you cannot call in and join us on the air. But if you'd like to discuss or ask a question or make a comment on any of the topics that we're talking about. If you're listening live, our numbers are on the top of our homepage at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. The top of our homepage, there are our numbers. Today's show, we're going to be talking about Allahu Akbar, greater than whom? Also, the global intifada also is assumption of stupidity legitimate? As well, we'll be discussing the Arab Muslim Summit, and we are going to be talking about or taking questions and giving some answers from some of the emails that have come our way. You're listening again to the Tamar Yona Show here at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, and my weekly guest is joining me now, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. He is a commentator on Mideast and world issues. He's the author of the book Muslim Winter, and I want to welcome to the show Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. Thank you. All righty. So before we go into the regular topics, let's go into one of the newest ones about uh, the, as if anyone's not aware, not only is Israel being attacked by the Hamas, Islamic Jihad, etc., the the Gazans from the south of Israel, but in the north of Israel, we've had several red alert sirens that have gone off several, several, several all day today. And uh, also, the Houthis in Yemen uh, are have declared war against Israel. And do you want to uh, just read out what the latest attack was now that we're seeing? Well, we don't really know. We don't really know any details. All we know is that they, they claim to have captured a ship which may or may not be Israeli owned. The um, uh, sailors on the ship apparently were not are not Israelis. Um, these people have been taken hostage. We don't really know any real detail details at all. Right. So this is a breaking story, and that's why slowly, slowly the details are coming in. Let me just read this headline from Arut Sheva, IsraelNationalNews.com. It says here, the Houthis hijacked an Israeli cargo ship in the Red Sea. According to Al-Hadat, the Israeli-owned galaxy leader was hijacked with 22 crew members who were not Israeli who were on board. And so uh, these, these uh, details can change as the story develops. This is, again, br- a breaking news story that's happening uh, just recently now in Israel, and we'll be watching that. If there's anything new in this hour, we will uh, try to inform you on that. So we're wishing safety to all the crew members there, whether they're Israeli or not Israeli. And uh, we are seeing that this is opening up. This is getting wider and wider, and not only here in our region, but your streets in London, in Los Angeles, in Montreal, in Toronto, in Sydney, Australia. In Sydney, Australia, they were yelling just a week after this war started by the Hamas terrorists. They were screaming on the streets of Sydney, Gaz the Jews, not Israelis, Jews. No, 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 you're, you're incorrect. It was not a week later. It was October 8th. 
It was the day after. It was the day after. You're right. You're right. You're right. I and think that's that, significant because that means that that was pre-planned. Uh, we are, but I want everyone to notice it doesn't say gas the Israelis. They're saying gas the Jews. The Jews, okay? So uh, this is, a, and, and everything that they accuse us of, it's like they're doing it themselves. They're accusing us of a genocide, which is ridiculous, because we have around a, a, a little bit less than 2 million Arabs that live in Israel as equal citizens who are sitting in our Supreme Court, who are one-third of our medical establishment in Israel, are Arabs. We have Arabs serving in the Knesset, the parliament here in Israel. It's ridiculous. They're living here peacefully, freely, well, in fact. They're living here oh, very well. That. I mean, if we're guilty of genocide, this is the most inefficient genocide in the history of <laughs> That's humanity. right. But you can see you know, that they want our genocide yelling, gas the Jews. There were a couple of hundred thousand. Now there are, now there are millions. I mean, you know, we can't be that bad at it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So I, I want the Jewish people to have their antennae up and understand that when you hear things like this, gas the Jews, kill the Jews, the Zionists, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, it's all the same to them. And they're marching down your streets. They're not marching down the streets of Jerusalem. Or Tel Aviv. They're mar- the tens of thousands of Hamasnikim and their supporters are marching down your streets. And know this, that the Jewish people have never in the history won the war against anti-Semitism. We have survived it. There have been survivors, but we have never won the war. The only answer is, is to make Aliyah to come home to Israel. You can keep going back to your countries you're living in now to, for the summertime, go back and visit, uh, say thank you, do shopping there, uh, help these nice Western countries that we've lived in, and, they, and they've been very good in many ways. But the time for the Jews is now to come home to Israel. And God is not going to send you a telegram saying, Dear Mrs. Shapiro or Mr. Cohen, now's the time for you to make Aliyah. The writing is literally on the wall. Kill the Jews. I think he just did send the telegram, didn't he? Well, this is their telegram. Kill the Jews yeah, exactly. that you see on the wall. The exactly. telegram is the tens of thousands of uh, marchers on the streets yelling, uh, gas the Jews. And, uh, oh, by the way, then, it's not only that, they, that they, the Arabs aren't marching in Jerusalem or in Tel Aviv. They're not marching in, in uh, uh, Nablus or in Tulkarim or in... Uh, any Arabs, Rahat, or any Arab city in Israel either, because they they're not stupid, and and they can't get away with it here because we won't well, let it. But who's going to protect you there in the in the states? Or was it in the states, or was it in England? I know maybe it was in it was in the UK that the police were not uh, quelling the demonstrators because the because they said that. They are outnumbered. They can't London, do it. Yes, that was in London. Yeah, I mean, this is really terrible stuff. So it doesn't even have to be that the police are anti-Semites or they don't like you or they don't care about the Jews. And what. It's just that if they're not going to protect you for whatever reason it is, the only answer is to come home. And we know from the Torah, from the Tanakh, from the Bible, that the future of the Jewish people is here in Israel. It's not in Melbourne or London or Toronto or Montreal or Los Angeles or New York. It's not any of those places. The future of the Jewish people is here. Jerusalem is going to be a glorious place. People are going to be coming over from around the world to come to Jerusalem. And this is where the future is. Come now while you still can, because if you wait 
until it gets really, really bad and you, you finally made the decision, God forbid, God forbid, that train could have left the station. It could be too late. You leave before it gets too bad, not waiting for it. We all know the story about the Jews who stayed in Europe until thinking, well, the war will be over soon, six months, dot, 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 making every excuse in the book why they don't want to leave. And I understand it's hard to leave. Well, you could leave your job, you could leave your home. You're gonna... But we're talking about your lives. And we're talking about a mitzvah. We know it's a mitzvah to come to the land of Israel and to live here and to be here. And you cannot do all of the commandments of the Torah unless you're here in Israel. You can't keep Shemitah. Our, our non-Jewish listeners are not going to know what that is. But basically, you cannot keep all the commandments of the Torah unless you're in Israel. This is where our home is. This is where we should be. And we say thank you to these countries that we've lived in for many generations, perhaps, or maybe it's not so many generations because, you know, many Jews came. Our grandparents came from Russia, from Ukraine, from other places around Poland, who knows where, uh, Morocco, from uh, Iraq, etc. But uh, we are Jews and our home is here in Israel. This is where we should be. And to save your lives, to save your children, and to save your future, go to Nefesh Benefesh. Go to the website N, like in Nebraska, or or uh, <laughs> nighttime, whatever. Uh, N B N, like November Boy November dot c o dot dot org dot i l nbn.org.il. Start filling out, filling out an application now for you and your families, and know that it could take up to a year. And to be approved. It takes a long time. So start the process now. It really does take a long time to be approved. So start the process now. And guess what? If the date comes that you're supposed to make Aliyah, you're supposed to move to Israel and you don't, and you don't uh, want to make it, you're not ready yet. No one's going to put a gun to your head to get on a plane. You don't have to go. You can take the next plane or, or, or postpone it, but get the work done so when you're ready to get out and go you're able to that's what you want to do you're missing the best part of it though please go ahead the coming to Israel is not just a mitzvah it's one of the greatest most fun things to do and you you can possibly come up with <laughs> this is a great place to, it's simply a great place to live you know we don't you know, in New, if you live in New York today or in Chicago or in Los Angeles or or Washington, how many young ladies can walk down the street at 10, 11 o'clock at night by themselves or with, or with their, 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 their little baby in the stroller? Can you do that? Can you walk down on Washington, D.C. Street at 11 o'clock at night? Well, everybody knows that in Jerusalem, nobody thinks twice about it. Life in Israel can be challenging also. However, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. This is really just a, a, a to be home. I'm home and I'm with my people and we're one big family and we're together. And this is where uh, our roots are. Anyway, whatever. That's my Aliyah pitch. Get out. Learn from our parent, our grandparents who didn't leave Europe in time. Learn from our great, 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 great grandparents who didn't leave Spain in time and were caught in the Inquisition. So, and there's many more examples, which I won't give now, but please, please, Jewish people, recognize the signs. This is the telegram from God that you're getting. It's time to come home. And we love 
the West. We love America. We love the UK. We love Australia. We love South America. We love other places in Europe. There are beautiful things there. And some people are very nice people. But it's time to come home and we'll go back and visit and help the economy over there when we do and build up Israel and make sure that our kids grow up here and know their own mother tongue, which is really Hebrew. Okay, saying that, let's get to the show. I didn't plan to do all this. Really, guys, really, everybody, I did not plan to do this whole Aliyah thing when I came on, but it just came out. So you are naming the show, you, your suggestion, which I love your show suggestions, Mordechai, is Allah Hu Akbar, greater than whom? Well, well, the first thing we need to say, you know, everybody's seen the videos by now, you know, when while they were raping these women, they shout Allah Akbar. When they're killing, they shout Allah Akbar, and etc., etc. They're constantly shouting Allah Akbar. What does it mean? Well, the, the Western press usually translates that as God is great. That's a mistake. That's not correct. It means God is greater. Greater than whom? What they're saying is that their version of God is greater than your version of God. So let's examine that just for a moment, just really briefly. Okay? And and you know you have to uh, you have to ask if their if their version of God, Allah Akbar, is so great, you know, uh, is it God's job to dis- to to dis- distribute candies when people are killed? Which is you know what the what the Arabs commonly do. And at 9/11, when they when they heard that the uh, that the uh, twin towers were down, uh, um, uh, thousands of Arabs were running around in the streets in every, I should say, probably hundreds of thousands of Arabs. Even here in Israel, thousands of Arabs are running around distributing candy and celebrating. I, I just want to interrupt you and say, remind our American listeners that as Americans were, were forced to jump out of the windows of the Twin Towers to a certain depth, they were handing out candies and saying what Dr. Mordechai ben Menachem just said, Allahu Akbar. They were celebrating it. This is the type of monsters that we are dealing with in our own backyard. Go ahead. And, and by the way, you mentioned my book, uh, Muslim Winter. That, that's where the book starts, by the way, exactly with that, um, how, can I call it an anecdote or the story, whatever. However, anyway, so uh, uh, there, was a, there was a poll taken just, I think, three or four days ago, uh, very recently, of, uh, of uh, uh, um, um, Arabs in... Um, uh, southern Gaza Strip and Judea and Samaria. Um, some 700 people were polled, adults. Uh, what were the results of the poll? It's very interesting. 98% of respondents said the October 7th slaughter made them feel prouder of their identity. 98%. This is polled by uh, a Ramallah-based institute. Um, uh, 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 in other words, it's an Arab poll. It's not there's no bias here of any kind. Uh, the poll was taken between October 31st and November 7th, so people had 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 time to uh, uh, digest the uh, the basic facts. 48.2% um, uh, uh, called Hamas very positive. 27.8% view Hamas as somewhat positive. 80% regarded the role of Hamas's al Qassam Brigades, the so-called military wing, uh, uh, as positive. Um, 
uh, and an equal uh, again, I said 98 percent said it made them feel proud, and an equal percent is saying that they would never forget what had happened. Isn't that, aren't those interesting numbers? So when when the news media uh, uh, or, or whether the the news media is real or fake news media like like the 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 uh, uh, crap news net news network CNN or um, uh, 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 or the non news news NBC whatever you call it, whatever you want to call it when they tell you that well the 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 average Palestinian doesn't agree with Hamas they're lying to you the numbers are known. And by the way, uh, uh, while, while the U.S. government, um, uh, the Biden administration or the Biden maladministration, whatever you want to call it, is shouting that the day after their preferred um, uh, uh, option for Gaza is to give it to the Palestinian Authority, the Mahmoud of us. What are the actually, what are the Arabs actually saying? I mean, aren't, isn't, isn't the American government supposed to be at least somewhat cognizant of democracy, of what people actually want. Eight and a half percent, eight and a half percent, single digits, of those polled said that they would, their preferred option is the Palestinian Authority. Eight and a half percent. And by the way, this whole week we've been hearing about the, uh, 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 the, the um, uh, actions in hospitals in the Gaza Strip. Hamas has built 36 hospitals in Gaza. Can anyone explain why any place the size of the Gaza Strip would have 36 hospitals? Right. It's a little overkill, right? Well, it's not just overkill. The fact is that these are buildings that are actually disguised. They're not really hospitals. They, know, the, they decide the, the, we need the, an the, army the, base the, here. Saying that this, this is a hospital. <laughs> It'll have two or three doctors. It's actually a, a minor clinic. Right. But they'll also decide where we need a, a Hamas base, and then they'll say, okay, now let's build a hospital on top exactly. of our tunnels. Exactly. Right. Exactly. You know, one, one, one of the really fascinating things is that um, uh, 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 everyone says, well, in Israel we build bomb shelters for the civilians. In, in Gaza they built entrances to the, to the tunnels. To on kill Israelis basis, and kidnap. Every yeah. single home in Gaza has an entrance or is next to an entrance to the, tunnel, to the tunnel network. The tunnel network is phenomenally extensive, and it's even more extensive than we thought when we went in. Yeah, my uh, son was able to get a 48-hour leave, thank God, uh, and he came back from Gaza, and he was saying how everything is booby-trapped. Everything is just... Oh, it, and he told, he told a lot of stories, and... Uh, about all the tunnels as well. People don't understand. There's, I think, around 500 kilometers worth of tunnels down there. At least. And probably. some of them are like super highways. It's like, how did they get a lot of these, uh, their rockets and their missiles and, and everything that they smuggle through? It comes in from Egypt and it gets transported on trucks that go into these tunnels and deliver it into Gaza. And I heard a story, I wish I had the source for it, that said that uh, on a past operation that we did, we had blown up a tunnel in the south of Israel, and we wanted to see where the, the um, per 
not percussion, the hedef. How do you say hedef in English? Uh, not percussion. Uh, like the like the blast, the power that, like when the air goes the boom. Wave, whatever you call the, it. Yeah, where, and and where that smoke would go, and guess where it ended up? Inside of an Egyptian army base. So they were bringing in these things, these missiles, etc., f- from inside of an, an Egyptian uh, army base, according to the story, and it was ending up in Gaza. So very, very interesting. Go ahead. Well, anybody who thinks that 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 you can smuggle in um, uh, uh, tens of thousands of rockets, which are not small, these are not these are not you know these are not toys, um, through the Sinai Peninsula into Gaza without the Egyptians knowing, just doesn't really understand the the the, the, the setup there. I mean, I mean, I've spent a lot of time in Sinai, and um, uh, the northern part of Sinai is not difficult to comprehend this now you're not talking about uh uh crags or places that I mean, it's flat it's, it's a you, you can you can see literally for kilometers there so the, the, this stuff can't be traveling without people knowing about it it's not possible okay so let's go back to your topic okay then so then I, well, let's talk about uh, global intifada um, um, it's a very important topic that I want to cover. The first thing is, um, one of the chants that you're hearing from all of these uh, crazies on the streets of Western cities, discussed on the Intifada, uh, Intifada Revolution, they're calling themselves. Well, what does that? What does the word mean? You know, I mean, again, this is Arabic. You don't know. Normal person in 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 the West doesn't know Arabic, obviously. The word revolution in 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 a, in a and a basic dictionary uh, uh, definition can be violent or nonviolent. The word intifada does not mean revolution. It means a violent takeover. In other words, there is no intifada without violence. So anybody on the street of Washington, D.C. shouting intifada, he is saying clearly, specifically, violently overthrow the American government. He is committing a crime according to the United States Constitution. Anybody who shouts intifada is a traitor to the Constitution of the United States, by definition. Tomorrow. Okay, so we have a caller. We have joining us Will from Nottingham in the UK. Go ahead, Will. You wanted to make a comment. Yeah. Um, the Israelis knew about the attack before it was going to happen. And the Israelis let it happen. The Israelis let the attack happen. Now, the Israeli people should be asking themselves why the deep state wanted this attack to happen. Because the marchers throughout the world are turning the people against the Israeli people, which is going to fulfill prophecy where it says all the nations will turn against Israel. This is falling into the children of Satan's hands. They're leading you astray. The children of Satan are playing chess, and the Israelis are playing checkers. Okay, thank you for your comment. Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem, you want to comment on that? Well, I, I'm, I'm not going... There really isn't too much that I can say. Did the, did the government actually know about it in advance or not? Um, there, there has been, there has been a, 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 an opinion like that expressed, of course. Um, we don't know at, the point, at this point in time. As we've said many times during these past 
uh, uh, tragic five weeks. Um, we're very clear on this point. Right now, we have a war to process. We're processing it. After the war, everything will be investigated. Okay. Right now, come on, come on. We're not in the business of guessing. Okay, go no. ahead. Come on. Last word, go ahead. This is turning the world against the Jewish people. Bombing hospitals and refugee camps is turning the world against... This is fulfilling prophecy where it says all nations will turn against Israel. You're playing into the children of Satan's hands. Who are the children of Satan? Well, what does it say in Scripture? It says that they came to earth and they mated the, the fallen angels, mated with women, and they created an offspring. They live amongst us tomorrow, Yona, and I can tell you who they are because I know their blood type because I've done the research into it. They, they, they live amongst us. They lead us astray to try and turn us against God. Now, what does it say in Scripture? It says, if you forsake God, God will forsake you. And then the children of Satan say in Scripture, God has forsaken him. Let's take him and persecute him. Are, are you him. Christian, uh, Will? No, I believe in Judaism. You believe in Judaism, but you're, you're not Jewish. I'm not Jewish, but uh-huh. I follow Judaism. Okay, but Ju- Ju- Judaism doesn't believe in a Satan the way that you're describing it. So you need to... Well, Judaism isn't, it's been led astray by the Talmud, because the Talmud is... Some <laughs> okay. of the people who wrote the Talmud were the bloodline of the children of Satan. Okay, all right, all right. All right. Thank you for your call, Will. It's been very interesting. I appreciate it. Um, some of what he said, I, I will say, uh, about if, if uh, Israel knew, I will say that the women, who the, the women soldiers in the army, were warning the, uh, the, their upper echelon that there was suspicious activity taking place near the fence and they weren't listened to the reason why we will find out we will find out there is going to be an investigation there's already investigations going on because the israeli people want to know what how could such a what we say in hebrew uh, or is it is it arabic even a fashla is that arabic or hebrew Dr. Mordechai Ben-Mekhan. It's originally uh, Arabic, but it's sort of a it's slang like a, that's been adopted. Yeah, how do you say it in English? Like a fashla? It's like a... Uh, 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 I, I know, it's I, a scary I think the equivalent in, in, in American would be fubar. Okay. What in any case? What, thanks for your call, Will. I'm gonna I'm gonna disconnect him now, and uh, and so we want to find out, and people are are looking into it, and and we will find out, and I can tell you that. I can almost say 100% that the Prime Minister will not have a career after this. And well, Prime Minister is 73 years old, so, it, you know, more or less the time has come for him to step down anyway. And well, it, tell it, that it, to Joe Biden. That, he clearly <laughs> won't be the only one. Tell that to Joe Biden. Okay, all right, so, yeah, that's about that. All right. The, okay, let's get back to the Global Intifada because that's really a very important topic. Okay. All right. Okay. So the the question to be asked really is who are the ones who hate the who hates the Palestinians? The one who tells them to get out of the way so you don't get hurt, or the one who shoots them because they're getting out of the way? Well, Hamas is the one who's shooting them. Thousands of Palestinians in Gaza have been killed by Hamas, firstly by uh, uh, over a thousand of their missiles that were shot at Israel fell in Gaza Strip on the heads of the Palestinians. 
Over a thousand of their missiles. In other words, about about ten percent oh, of the missiles that they fired. Details, details. <laughs> Don't confuse them with the facts. Okay, and then in addition to that, once we open the corridors to for the people to move south, uh, in many many places there were roadblocks manned by Hamas shooting at people who were moving south because they need them as shields. These people don't. They don't. They don't really want to. You know. They don't. They don't want to just fight. They want. They want somebody to shield them from from the, the from from the from the unbelievable Jews. I remember the the primary leaders of Hamas don't live in Gaza. They live in Qatar or they live in Turkey, and they're worth billions of dollars. We've discussed this in the past. Yeah, I wonder you whose tax money they, they stole and for and that. Abu Mazouk, they, they're, they're, they're multi-billionaires. Yes, this is true. Remember, and, Hania, and wait, wait, wait. Just, just, just to give one example, Hania <laughs> himself is valued, his, his total um, goods and assets are valued over $4 billion. The Hamas budget is $1 billion for a year. Let's not forget Yasser Arafat, who was a terrorist, and he was listed in the Forbes magazine and is one of the richest people in the world. How does I didn't know terrorism pays that well. <laughs> oh, it does. Oh, it does, yeah, it does yes. You're when you steal not, the money that the international community is giving you from tax money from people in the West, that's where your tax money is going to. Um, as making as I'm him aware, one of the I'm not, people. I'm not certain if I'm still uh, up to date, but his widow is still living in a in an entire floor in a hotel in, in Paris, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, she was living there. I, I re- yes, I remember. Su- Suha, I, her name was Suha Arafat, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. All right. Anyway, uh, by the way, Arafat was a homosexual, by the way. But that's exactly Okay, we know. I, you know, not everybody knows, so but we, gonna, know. we need to understand that that that, that when when these when these um 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 uh, the, these people in Hamas who claim to um in somehow in some way in some manner represent Palestinians when it's convenient for them to claim that sometimes they don't they claim the opposite, but that's besides the point. Um, um, uh, uh, we need to understand that the towns. In the southern part of, of of the Gaza Strip, where the people have moved from the north, over a million people have moved south. Okay, so they've moved to pl- towns like Hanunas, Derabalah, what was Gush Katif, uh, uh, Rafa. But underneath all of these places, there are tunnels, not just in Gaza City. And in these tunnels, there are tons and tons and tens of thousands of tons of explosives. So I am expecting at some point for them to be for there to be what's called a false flag operation, and a hundred thousand Palestinians will be dead because Hamas has blown them up. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they have tons of explosives underneath the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, and if that is ever has to be attacked because they start attacking us from there, and we have to defend ourselves. There, I wonder if there's going to be a huge explosion there, and then they're going to blame that on us as well. I, I seriously doubt that because, we, as far as I'm aware, and I think I can say this with some degree of authority, um, uh, as opposed to the Gaza areas, we have people inside there. Meaning, so we know if, we would know if anything like that was going on. Okay, well, we shall see. We shall see. But hopefully, hopefully, we're both wrong, <laughs> and there's nothing there at all. Anyway. We, yes, we hopefully there'll just be peace, and let's have an end to this war, and there should be peace, and people should be able to live peacefully. 
please okay. God. Yeah. Well, that's that, that's that's not even a dream, but okay, fine. <laughs> um, uh, people need to be aware, you know, of, of, so all these people are crowded into the southern part of the Gaza Strip, and it's not very unpleasant. Um, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, to the south and to the west of them, there are dictators who refuse to allow them to exit the Gaza Strip or refuse to allow them entry. Of the 22 Arab countries in the world, not a single one of them has offered refuge for Palestinians. Canada, with this, uh, pardon me, donkey that is that is the Prime Minister of Canada, I'm being very polite when I call him a donkey, I'm, I'm really controlling myself, um, he hasn't offered to take in any Palestinians. He, he's, he's, he's made all sorts of other interesting and and basically very, very stupid statements, but he hasn't offered to take in Palestinians. Remember, Palestinians, by, by the laws that are in effect right now, both in terms of Hamas and in terms of Egypt, can leave via the Rafah crossing if they have a valid visa from another country. They cannot leave to just be a refugee in Egypt. They can leave if they have a valid visa. And I've reported in the past, some over the last uh, uh, 15 years, uh, 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 some 350,000 Palestinian Gazans have left via the Rafah crossing because they had visas to Turkey. About 350,000. Yeah, and you would so think that Canada Egypt would take them to in. Offer a visa to a Palestinian, one or 1,000 or 1 million, they can all go tomorrow. No problem at all. But that's not what Trudeau is doing, is it? I, I want to remind people that, you know, Egypt used to rule in Gaza. They were under Egypt. They were, they were Egyptians before 1967. And, and even Egypt doesn't want them. Well, Egypt knows why they don't want them. <laughs> and they share the same language. They share the same religion. They were once under Egypt part of Egypt, and uh, that's the most logical place for them to go. But as you said, nobody wants these uh, Gazans because they're they're mostly terrorists or supporters of terrorism. These are the well, same... Uh, you, these you, are, you mentioned a little point in, in history here. I need to expand that so people understand the context right. here. Remember that for the, for the majority of the 19th century, Gaza was approximately 50% Jewish. And the Arabs that lived there were all classed as Egyptians, not only by um, uh, um, uh, 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 legally, but by ethnicity. In other words, you hear many, many people named, for instance, al-Masri, which means the Egyptian, or all sorts of other names like that, uh, uh, al-Aswan, etc., etc. So the vast majority of them were actually Egyptians. And now, in 1929, uh, the British... Uh, uh, confiscated the Jewish homes and forcibly forced the Jews out of the of Gaza and uh, uh, Gaza City and the Gaza area, and the homes were given to um, uh, 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 Arabs that came in from Egypt. And this is not just me saying it. This is well documented. You can look it up in in, in many different books. Uh, John Peters documents it in in, in uh, uh, Time Immemorial. Uh, uh, Sinai documents it. Many many books. I can I, I have shelves of books that can document that show this that show this to be the fact. Um, uh, so 
uh, uh, these homes that were that that they were living in were actually homes that owned by Jews that were confiscated. So all of these people were originally Egyptian. So when the Egyptians say they don't want the Gazans to move into Egypt, they were originally Egyptians. And by the way, Yasser Arafat was, was an Egyptian as well. He was not born in Palestine. He was not born in the land of Israel. Correct. He was born in Cairo. Right. And for anybody wondering, when the PLO came into being, it was in 1964, which was before Israel liberated Judea and Samaria, which they call the West Bank. So if the whole fight is over a Palestinian state in, in, on the West Bank and Israel's occupier of the West Bank, why was there a PLO established back in 1964 before we even liberated this land? And I want to say one more thing for everyone to know, that Gaza is Jewish land, as Dr. Mordechai ben Menachem was saying, there were Jews living there. It is Jewish land. It was given by God, the creator of the universe, given by God to the Jewish people as part of the tribal, uh, the, the inheritance of the tribe of Judah. And if you go into the book of Joshua, and I think it's either chapter 15 or 20, I don't remember which, 20, 21, something like, uh, it's there. You'll see the borders for the territory of Judah. It includes Gaza. You will see the name Gaza there. Okay, go ahead. Well, everybody, everybody's aware of the story, for instance, of 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 of, of uh, 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 Samson in Gaza as well. I mean, you know, these Samson and Delilah. That's when the Philistines were were occupiers of that of that uh, land. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we'll get we'll get back to some of that stuff later on, and, and the questions because somebody asked ask something about that, that that directly relates to that. So we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, so the people in uh, the pardon me, the governments in, uh, in, in Jordan and Egypt are primarily concerned with prohibiting Palestinian refugees from coming into their territories. Um, Egypt, because they're overpopulated as, as they are now, they don't have enough uh, 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 resources to support a, an increase in population. That's their claim. I won't comment on how good that claim is. That's what they claim. That's why they say that they that they don't want the Palestinians in. And Jordan um, also has something similar. They claim they, don't, they do not have sufficient resources and water because of the influx of refugees from the Syrian civil war. These excuses that they're giving, it's not quite accurate. Jordan gets their water from us. Um, we desalinate water. Uh, the Israeli taxpayer pays to desalinate water, and then we give it for free to the Jordanians, and they hoard it for their self, for themselves. Okay, that's life. That's part of the fun of the Middle East, you see. You know, they get all sorts of fun things like that going on. Okay. Um, I, I, I gave you a title here is, uh, you know, the assumption of stupidity. Is it ever legitimate to assume that people are simply stupid? I, I'll quote here Douglas Murray. Douglas Murray has shown himself. I mean, he's always I've always viewed him as being highly intelligent and uh, a very interesting man. Um, uh, during this entire war, he has uh, really. Um, uh, um, uh, how do you say it? Uh, excelled. In, in, in his attitudes and in his reportage. 
Remember, he had the, uh, uh, the courage to go into Gaza with our forces, something which the people from the, the, the garbage news networks couldn't be bothered to do. So uh, a quote from Douglas Murray, quote, the world needs to realize that Hamas is not just a genocidal organization or would be genocidal organization, but one that actually relishes its barbarism and sadism. Uh, close quote. So the Australian prime, uh, foreign minister, pardon me, uh, not prime minister, foreign minister, Penny Wong, calls on Israel to implement a one-sided ceasefire. Do we as voters, I'm saying we, well, I'm vo voters, I'm obviously, I'm, I'm primarily to voters in, in Australia in terms of her, but in principle, do we as voters in democracies have a right to assume that somebody making a statement like that is simply dumb, ignorant, naive? Or should we assume that they actually understand what they're saying and they make stupid statements for good reasons? Do people who apparently take pity on Palestinians have a right to force upon these same people that they're so-called pitying suffering? The rule of Hamas in Gaza has been one of the most horrible regimes in the history of mankind, at least for the last several centuries. Hamas in Gaza makes Stalin look like a nice person. I, so why would anybody in the, in, in the West, why would any politician desire for the Palestinians to be under Hamas? There is nothing greater to, to the, well, no greater favor that anybody could do for the Palestinians than to relieve them of this horrible travesty of an organization. Well, let's hope Just they do it quickly. Just to give you an example of something here, um, the, the some 3,000 monsters that uh, entered Israel on the, on the uh, 7th of October, when they were finished, the, the, the equipment that they left behind that was just superfluous to them. They had such an, uh, 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 an extensive arsenal that they left behind over a thousand RPGs. They were just left on the just left behind. They didn't need them. They don't, you know, they had enough. People don't understand the quantities, the phenomenal quantities of ammunition and weapons that these people had. Phenomenal quantities. We have already captured throughout the uh, northern Gaza area, including underneath these hospitals, thousands of tons of weapons and ammunition. Thousands of tons. The, the, the Al-Shifa hospital alone, if the ammunition that was under that hospital was to blow up, was to explode, the hospital... It's five, and it consists of five buildings. The hospital and the surrounding blocks would all have disappeared. I'm talking about Hamas storage of explosives. Not other things are stored there. There's a lot of other stuff as well. Just the, just the weapons and, and, and ammunition stored under there. The terms of costs, we talked a little bit before about Hamas budget and things like that. The, the tunnel network under Gaza not counting labor, 
cost more than one billion dollars. In other words, just count just the the, the 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 materials that are used there, not counting labor, because of course, in, in the Gaza Strip, who counts labor? You just they're they're basically slaves anyway. So who who cares what the what the what the labor actually costs? But of course, these people in the West love slavery. They always have. So if an Arab is enslaved by Hamas, that's not a problem to them. As I said before, in every in Israel, every home has a safe room. In Hamas, Hamastan we call it, every home has a pier to another tunnel. Ah. The U.S. president's energy advisor, Amos Hochstein, vowed to enforce tighter sanctions on Iran as the, the, the Middle East countries' exports have soared above the one million barrel per day mark this year. So if anybody is, is thinking that the Biden administration is exacting a price from Iran for their role in this, they're, they're simply mistaken. Okay, the last subject before we go to the questions and answers that, that we've got listed. Okay. There was an Arab-Muslim summit. In other words, a bunch of countries, um, um, most of the Arab countries, most of the Muslim countries, not all of them, but many got together in Saudi Arabia, in Riyadh, um, and had a meet there to discuss a four-point resolution submitted to the summit by Iran. The objectives were the following. A, threaten the West with an oil embargo somewhat similar to what happened in 1973-74. B, Ban all flights by Israel, Israeli airplanes over Arab and Muslim countries. C. Forbid the United forbid the United States from supplying weapons or ammunition that are stored in warehouses in Arab countries, supplying to Israel, obviously. And D. Shut all normal relations between Arab countries and Israel pending the end of the war. So this was the um, um, uh, uh, resolution submitted by Iran. At this summit, it was the erstwhile reason for the summit. It's my understanding that Western nations, Western media, didn't really report what the actual results of the summit were, but it's very important. The summit, the the resolution was blocked. Who was it blocked by? It was blocked by the Emirates, by Morocco, by Bahrain. Some people might say that these these being the core nations of the Abraham Accords, this might have been expected or somewhat expected. But it was also blocked by Saudi Arabia, who is not yet a signatory to the Abraham Accords. And it was blocked by Egypt and Jordan, who have what we call cold peace treaties with Israel. This is phenomenally suggestive. Anybody who understands the Middle East, and I, 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 I mentioned this in our show on the 8th of October, if you remember. I, you, you asked me, Tamar, what I think the results will be vis-a-vis -vis Abraham Accords. And I said, if we go in hard and show them that we mean what we say, the Abraham Accords will not only uh, 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 stand, they will thrive and expand. And that's what we're seeing here so far. A powerful war with an unequivocal result 
will strengthen the accords. A weak reaction will weaken, will weaken them. And it's very important to understand that. We do not live in Switzerland. We do not live in Europe. We do not live on, in, the, in, in America. We live in the Middle East. And that has its meanings. I uh, what? Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. I just wanted to say that uh, as you were talking, I was looking up on the internet. I want to give people the exact uh, place in the, the Bible where it says that Gaza belongs to the tribe of Judah, given by God, the creator of the, of the world. And if everybody goes to the book of Joshua or Yehoshua in, in Hebrew and goes to chapter 15, verses 20, it starts out with this is the because it's giving all the borders of the different tribes what they're getting. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Judah or Yehuda according to their families, and it goes in and starts saying from Kinah to Demona to Abada, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and go down to verse forty-seven, and it says it continues and it's saying Ashdod, which is uh, one of, has one of the major seaports in Israel here. Ashdod, its towns and its villages. Gaza, its town and its vill- its towns and its villages, unto the brook of Egypt, the Great Sea being the border thereof. That's that's verse number forty-seven. And if you go to the, if you want to see the original with the Hebrew, you can go to Mechon Mamra. Maybe I'll, if I can, I'll put a link on the page where the show is podcasted on our website. But it's Mechon M, like in mother, E C H O N. And then a hyphen, Mamra, M, like in Mother America, Mother, R-E, Mamra, dot org. And then it's slash P, slash PT, slash PT, 0615.htm. I'm going to try to put a link there for everybody so you can find it easily. But basically, it's uh, the book of Joshua, chapter 15, verses 20 uh, through 47 and it will show you that specifically Gaza is mentioned there it's towns and its villages everything is belongs to the tribe of Yehuda the Jewish people it's our land okay I'm getting off my pedestal now <laughs> <laughs> don't get off that's fine I'm, I'm, I'm having fun that's okay um, uh, uh, I'll go out a little bit on a limb here and I'll, and I'll suggest what I believe is the follow on to the Abraham Accords. What's going to happen in the future, and I would say relatively near future. And of course, this is just a, 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 my own take on things, so no one has to accept this, but I think this, this is the direction that we will most likely see. Okay? I believe that we will be seeing some sort of what we call Brit Habrim, a, a, a coalition of partners, of friends, between Israel Saudi Arabia, the Emirates, Bahrain, etc. And this will be a, some sort of a somewhat similar to style to in style to NATO. NATO is a horrible failure and it's a, it basically stinks. But a true structure of friends, of equals, not where, for instance, in NATO where where, where the United States is 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 uh, uh, um, uh, 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 the dominant player. But this will be a, a structure of actual friends, of partners, of equal partners. No one will lord of, of anybody else. It will be designed uh, um, uh, um, to uh, um, 
strengthen the, the, the entire area, not only against Iran and its nuclear program, but also against Turkey. No one dares to talk about Turkey's nuclear program, but Turkey also has a nuclear program. And we've spoken about that. I, I haven't spoken about it in, in the last few years, but they do have a nuclear program. It's much quieter than, than Iran's because they're a member of NATO. And this will be a, uh, a, a bulwark against both of these um, uh, uh, erstwhile imperial powers that want to recreate their historical um, uh, uh, um, uh, empires. Remember, uh, um, Iran is the center of Shia Islam, and Turkey it considered itself, it's, there's disagreement, of course, but it considers itself to be the, the center and, and, and fulcrum of Sunni Islam. Of course, both Egypt and Saudi Arabia disagree with that with that assumption but that's beside okay i just want to jump in here quickly because we are having big thunderstorms where we are right now and i'm hoping that we are not going to be knocked off the air with a power outage in the area if we do go down uh stay with us because we'll be coming back god willing okay so go ahead mordechai okay on the same note i'm just a closing note on this air, on this issue of what's going what i believe is going on we have seen over the past week this is very, very interesting news, and it's very, very newsworthy. Abu Dhabi, one of the um, uh, emirates within the United Arab Emirates, <coughs> is opening up a cryptocurrency exchange, um, except they're doing it honestly, not like FTX. The name of the exchange evidently is M2. I don't know if that's the real name or if that's just a temporary name. I don't know if the, the exchange has actually been been uh, um, uh, um, um, uh, has actually bun, begun operations yet, but this is the plan. They plan to basically take over the worldwide marketplace for cryptocurrency, which, as we all know, is uh, 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 many places around the world, many um, uh, governments around the world are um, debating with themselves on whether they will allow cryptocurrency to continue to exist or not. Fascinating subject, by the way. Hmm. Anyway. We had a listener that wrote in wanting to know if the present-day Arabs in Gaza and the Palestinian Authority, who call themselves Palestinians, of course, that's not true. They're not Palestinians. They're not, they don't stem from the Philistines. And uh, he wanted to know, are they the original Canaanites? I already answered his email I was able to do that, but uh, I'd like you to address it, Dr. Murakai ben Menachem, because okay. you said you had a lot the, to say. The exact quote from his question was, do ultra-Orthodox Jews consider Palestinians to be Canaanites? Okay, so there, there are several problems with this question. First of all, there, there, it has nothing to do with ultra-Orthodox or Orthodox or, or, or anything. anything yeah. there's, no, there aren't, there's no disagreement about this. Now, people need to understand, what does it mean, Canaanites? So, Yasser Arafat invented the idea that Palestinians were, 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 were Canaanites. The, the, the idea is absurd. It's nonsensical. It's totally divorced from reality, from any reality. Let me explain the, what, he, what he was trying to do. He was trying to say, well, the Canaanites were the original settlers, and therefore we're descended from them, so we're actually more original than the Jews are. But that's totally wrong itself. What does it say in the Bible? 
the, the actual quote says, after Abram arrived in Israel at the age of 75, it says, Haknani az ba'aretz. Az, az is a word meaning time. In other words, the Canaanites then arrived in Israel. They arrived at the same time as we did. So they are not, they do not predate us. And it's very important because we know, for instance, that both Jericho and Yafo um, predated the, 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 the Canaanites by thousands of years. An interesting historical and archaeological find, for instance, is Jericho is the oldest walled city in the world. 7,000 years old, the wall is. Who, no, no sane person erects a wall around the city unless they're defending it from someone. From whom were they defending it? We do not know. Uh, Yafa was the port for Jerusalem, was Jerusalem's port for thousands of years before anybody, for any other port. It's the oldest continually operating port in the world today. More than 7,000 years. Abraham is about 4,000 years ago. So who are the people in the land? Dr. Mordechai ben Menachem, I think we lost you for a moment. We're going to try to we're going to try to get him back on. In the meantime, uh, we're going to go to a caller. We have Philip joining us. Uh, Philip, you're calling in from where? From Minnesota, you said. Yes. Okay, go ahead with your comment or question, please. As we try to get Dr. Mordechai ben Menachem back on. Um, and I'd be utterly ignorant about what's going on in the Middle East if it weren't for you folks. That my question is, you know, the. The President of the United States, and, and now even our, our Holy Father in Rome, I happen to be Roman Catholic, uh, are, are enamored of the, this, this phrase. Um, I don't know if it's a policy that's workable of a two-state solution. And to me, the situation seems analogous to the ugly solution that ended up occurring with uh, the division of India uh, after the British occupation. We ended up with Pakistan and India, which resulted in Pakistan and Bangladesh. I think a two-state solution in Israel looks an awful lot like a three-state solution to me. And I don't know how anybody can concede that that's workable. They're both too small to be nations and much too large to be open-air asylums. Just curious about your thoughts on that theory. Okay, I'm going to let Dr. We have him back with us. I'm going to let Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem answer you. But first, I just want to say something and thank you for your question. It's a very good question because if you're asking it, it means a lot of other people don't understand it as well. And I would say that you you are right on the on the mark there. That we say that the two state solution really means the final solution, and we could not survive a two state solution. Number one, not many people know that Israel is around the same size as the state of New Jersey. We are a very tiny country. And to be split up in... much larger, however. Sorry? Looming much larger, however. Yeah, well, in the end of days, you know, when the Messiah comes. but And especially if you read chapter uh, 15 of Joshua, which I had mentioned before, you'll see what the borders were given then. It's supposed to be even bigger later. But in any case, we could not survive at one. Number two, uh, the two-state solution is not 
Uh, it would be like saying that America should split itself uh, in two and give half of itself to uh, bin Laden and the Al-Qaeda because uh, they are unhappy. They think that this is, uh, should be Muslim land. I mean, would any, would any uh, sensible or self-respecting country or nation do something like that? Of course not. And we, we have even stronger evidence that the Bible itself says what the borders of Israel are. We cannot let enemies in that want that want their 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 uh, constitution is to is to destroy the state of Israel. They say it themselves even today in the streets of the United States and Canada and Australia. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. That means wiping out Israel. That means a genocide. And they don't want a two-state solution in any case, the Arabs, because they've been offered it time and time again, and each time. They have rejected it. And I will repeat what I said last week on the show, that Israel has peace. Uh, to hear Dr. Mordechai ben Menachem say nine times they were offered a state and they rejected it. But Israel has peace with all of the Arabs. That is, all the Arabs that want peace. And the only Arabs that Israel doesn't have peace with are the Arabs that don't want peace. And I'm going to let Dr. Mordechai ben Menachem jump in now and give an answer to your question as well. Thank you. Okay, first of all, uh, it's actually a continuation of the previous question about the Canaanites, which is really a very interesting um, uh, issue historically. Um, um, well, if the Palestinians aren't Canaanites, are they maybe Ishmaelites? Maybe they're descendants of Ishmael? Of, so maybe That's, they're uh, descendants of, of, of Abraham? No, they're not that either, because we know, because it says so in the Bible again, so if they're calling themselves Canaanites or if they're calling those Israelites, they're, they're claiming that they're basing themselves on the Bible, on what it says in the Bible. The Bible says that they cannot be because Sanhariv came from Ashur, came from Assyria, and transported all the people around, mixed up all the people. So there are no Ishmaelites, there are no Canaanites. It is possible, it's not clear, that the Bedouin, or at least some of the tribe of the Bedouin in southern Saudi Arabia, what's presently Saudi Arabia, did retain their identity as Ishmaelites. That is possible. Because it's possible that, it, it, it's probable that San Habib did not get that far south. But certainly none of the others. I, I, I'd like to jump in and add here that if you're going to claim that you come from some nation, then you would have the same language you would have the same religion. And the Arabs today who are calling themselves Palestinians or even Canaanites, uh, if they want to claim that as well, they do, they, they do not speak the Canaanite languages and they do not worship the same God. They have nothing to do with the Canaanites. And in fact, the Canaanites were basically, ext they're extinct. They don't exist anymore. All right. Well, Hope again, that answers your question. Demolish them. The, the Edomites don't exist. The, the Moabites don't exist. None of these peoples exist anymore because San Khalif simply uh, 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 mixed them about, is the, is the expression in the Bible. Did you have one last uh, comment, caller? I just see, I just see uh, uh, the, the, the idea as, as, as a, a recreation of the situation of, of East and West Pakistan. I I don't I don't see the West Bank Palestinians and the supposed Palestinians of Gaza operating under one administrative authority harmoniously at all. 
You're absolutely correct. I mean, anybody with the, the, who has any powers of observation would, would, would see that as being obvious. You're absolutely correct. Clearly, if the, 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 if the so-called Palestinians could get along with one another, then Gaza would not have broken off from the Palestinian Authority. They would have remained um, uh, one grouping, but they did not. So you're correct. It's exactly like Palestine and, and, and Bangladesh. Except Thank you for one aspect. In your and that is that both Pakistan and Bangladesh are very large countries. Neither Gaza nor Judea and Samaria as independent entities have sufficient resources or or, or access to resources to survive on their own. So that the, the whole idea of the of two states or three states or whatever west of the Jordan River is a ridiculous idea because that's simply unviable. It can't ha- it cannot happen. It it's just not it's Make not economically, politically, dogs. demographically possible. All right. Thanks so much Thank for your you. call. Thank you. We love hearing from our listeners. Thanks for calling in. Okay. Any other questions uh, from our listeners? Well, there's a, there was a question. Uh, why couldn't Israeli intelligence locate the tunnels in Gaza? Again, there's a problem with the phrasing of the question. We did locate tunnels. We located many, many tunnels. We did not locate all the tunnels. And so they, ha- they did have some surprises. Some tunnels were much deeper. Remember, there are places where there are tunnels underneath tunnels. People don't understand that this is a network. And it's extraordinarily extensive. And it basically extends not just through Gaza City, but down to the south as well. So, (coughs) pardon me. So we did locate many tunnels. And many of them were indeed destroyed before we even went in, as a matter of fact, years ago. But we did not locate all the tunnels. There's no way, there is no known technology to locate tunnels that are intentionally hidden. You can find some, you cannot, find, you cannot guarantee to, find, to have found them all. Yeah, I want to say also, it's so dangerous for our soldiers over there. And I, I don't think that the Israeli uh, est- uh, military establishment is conducting this war the way it should be conducted. I think that they're worrying too much about uh, what the international uh, press is going to say and at the risk of our own soldiers' safety. That's what I think. And because because the soldiers are saying they're just, you know, you, you think that the area is clean and all of a sudden a, a terrorist pops out, out of a hole and and they can get the they can get our soldiers. And then when I say our soldiers, what I'm really saying is our sons, literally my sons are down there and I worry about them all the time, praying so hard that they should be safe and they should be able to clean out this this den of vipers that we have in our backyard here in Israel. But, uh, you know, the, the Israel is uh, very concerned that uh, the press, you know, people should understand that we're trying our best in order to protect um, life. And I c- commend that, but not at the expense of our soldiers. That's where I well, disagree. We, have, we do have to, all of us, understand, and it's a hard thing to discuss, that this war is not just a kinetic war, it is also a public relations war. And it's, that's very hard. It's very hard to juggle the two. Yeah, but you have to decide what's more important. And my, my, 
my uh, soldiers would be more important than what the press is going to say because the press is always against Israel. Always, there's very few I don't think outlets that are saying that. But I'm saying it's it's a very hard, very very difficult struggle to balance the two. And we see, for instance, with the with the releases from the um, uh, uh, the IDF spokespersons. Uh, facilities, uh, people like uh, Jonathan Conriquez and others, they doing a superb job, but it's it's a lot of hard work. It's very, very difficult. Anyway, we hope that there'll be a ending, uh, a complete and uh, full victory very, very soon, because everybody will be better off. The Gazans themselves will be better well, off as well. Yes, obviously, yes. And we yeah, will. One last question that I would like to answer before please. we, before we, uh, okay, go, please, we, we yes. finish off today. Yes. Someone asked a question. Are the Palestinian protests organized? Not only are they organized, they were pre-planned before October 7th. And that's extraordinarily important for people to be aware of. This was part of the war planning, not just the incursion into Israel, but the, but the protests that are taking place in, in, in Australia, Canada, Europe, United States. These were pre-planned. And there's a many signs that, that makes that very, very clear. It's very important for people to understand that. And that's part of the same question that you're asking yourself, Tamar, about um, uh, uh, you know, the balancing between the, the kinetic war and the, and, the, and the public relations war. These are extraordinarily difficult issues to deal with. Okay. Well, I want to thank you very much, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem, for being with us on the show. And we wish everybody peace and safety and wholesomeness and justice. And again, peace and safety, peace and safety, peace and safety. We should see an end to this war as soon as possible. As possible, everybody should be able to go home and live in peace healthily. Please, God. Well, that's a very good idea. Hopefully... The only problem with that is that it takes two people to make peace, but only one to make war. Unless you have a decisive victory. <laughs> Thanks I'll for being with us, that, everybody. But, that, but, but, but every victory in history, throughout human history, every victory is temporary.